My name is Grant Vermeer, a member of the Crown Refs community. My first year as a high school official, that's when I found out about the Crown Refs community. Having my military background, I love being a part of teams. I want to be a part of a group that has high standards, that holds each other accountable, but also supports and loves each other, and has a desire for everyone in the group to grow. If you're a young referee or someone who loves refereeing and wants to be a part of a group, this is an amazing community for you. I feel like I've gotten better as an official. I've had a community and friends and support through this process, which can otherwise be a little bit lonely as you're on the road a lot. The culture is amazing in here. Make sure to come check it out. Serve the game. To join our community, simply go to patreon.com backslash crown to choose your tier, or you can schedule a one-to-one call with me directly if you email me at crownrefs at gmail.com. Look forward to hearing from you. Thank you for listening to the Crown Refs Podcast. The audio experience for basketball officials. Serve the game. We got Roger. Roger, nice to see you. Mr. Horsley, did I say it right? Thank you. Yes, you did. All right, I nailed it. Travis, thanks for coming on. Saw your email today. Look forward to having you in the community. And we have Alden. What's up, Alden? If you're there or you're just listening. Well, Tyler, Nevada's coming in strong once again. So thank you for bringing some of your community uh into our session tonight so thank you for having us and this was this was your idea too so i'm glad that it worked well because it it came in conjunction with me wanting to schedule the next rapid responses so it worked out well um anything that you want to mention or set up for our call tonight i know we spoke about uh, off air about getting some questions at the end just wanted to kind of turn it over to the group and and let you guys kind of tell a little bit of your uh, some of your scenarios that you might have had questions that you might have for Paul on how to respond to a coach or a disgruntled player or any of that type of stuff to be able to help you guys out with your communication tactics. Hold on, sorry. I'd be more than happy and and I love um, answering questions and I'm actually I'll make it easy for you guys I'm you know it'd be great if you have some questions lined up but I'm just gonna kind of go to each person on the call and and just jam back and forth if we can Um, but I would love to lay down this little framework first um, and then we can ask questions so we'll get started now and thank you for Courtney and Raheem coming Carrie Appreciate you guys coming in. And Brock, good to see you, pal. This episode of the Crown Refs podcast is brought to you by RefereeStore.com. To save 15% on all United Attire products, enter Crown15 at checkout. We hope you enjoy this episode and do us one last favor before you listen. Have a great rest of your day. All right, so um, did our introductions. Usually, our, you know, our sessions are around an hour, so we'll, we'll stay around then. But uh, but I'm, I'm happy to stay after a little bit if um, people want to go longer. I'm available. Um, okay. So yeah, let me just pull up some of my notes, and then we'll get rocking. All right, stop me at any time. Put put your questions through the chat. But um, this will be about n fifteen. Interacting.
So I want to start off just by doing a disclaimer. Um, before I get to the disclaimer, this is a rapid response. It's part of the Crown Reps Mentor Program. It's a reoccurring session uh, that we offer as part of our community um, to help you improve your game management strategies and your responses to coaches. I want to just start off with a disclaimer. And, um, you know, this is meant, this is not meant for the respectful coaches that stay out of our way, that coach their team, that rarely speak to the officials, that rarely act on sporting, you know, that are professional, that rarely get a technical foul. Like, we're really not, we're not speaking to those, those coaches. You know, this is not for them. We want, we love working with those coaches and if it was up to us, we would prefer to not have to have rapid responses, right? But that's what's been kind of, um, you know, into inserted into officiating is having to deal with this part of the game, which is challenging. So that's why we, you know, created rapid responses, but it's not for the, res the respectful and positive coaches that are sportsmanlike, okay? So, um, and how many of those coaches are there? Like what percentage would you say of the coaches that you ref throughout your year are in that group of coaches that we really never have to rapid response? I don't know. For me, it's definitely less than half. So I would say the, the majority of coaches, we got to be ready to deploy this on. Just a little history of rapid responses. You know, I think I've been doing this content for a while, this specific content to coaches, but it really started, I think, um, on episode six of my podcast, which was called Welcome to Responseville. That was back in 2018, um, which is on Spotify if you guys want to check it out. But really the um, concept behind that was I was fielding Instagram stories. I would put through a story, um, you know, give me the hardest, most difficult thing a coach has said to you, you know you know, give me, what's the, what's the most challenging thing a coach has said to you recently? And that was what I wanted to attack. So I got a lot of officials that gave me their questions. And then for the, this episode, I read their questions on, um, on the, you know, podcast, and then I answered them. So that really was the start of this um, co coaching content and this effective communication content. Um, so I, I, I put out a bunch of more communication content over the next couple of years, but it really wasn't until we started the community, which was back in September of 21, where we really branded it to rapid responses. And that's what we've been building since September of 21. Um, it was a live session. It started as a, you know, a single live session for the community. And obviously we record it. So it's also a podcast series. So tonight, this is um, episode 14. It's the 14th live rapid response session that we've done. And of course, you can find all the previous ones on Patreon. And that also has a collections folder with more than just podcasts. It has video presentations and PDFs and some slides as well. As far as what is rapid responses, as far as the original and... and you know, the original plan for it was just singular responses to coaches focused on rule-based explanations and de-escalating. That was the initial iteration of rapid responses, how to bring a coach down, give them a rule-based um, explanation and get the game back moving. And that still is a major part of it, but it's evolved 
way more than just a singular response. I feel like rapid responses is the full the full toolbox on how to approach coaching management, how to approach managing bench decorum and and unsportsmanlike conduct. I feel we I feel like we've given our officials the full landscape of not only mindset approaches, what's the right mentality to have going into the what game plan with how we're going to manage to singular responses on how to de-escalate and also many other um, responses to very common things that coaches say to us. I wanted to map out everything that they say because I feel like we've all heard it before. They've only said a limited amount of things. They've said it a million different ways, right? But we've, we've heard everything they say. So I wanted to map it all out. So on all of the previous episodes, you know, you can find all of the different combinations of responses that we use for coaches. So I just want to, you know, educate you guys there on where to find, um, cause we've built a lot of this content already. Um, and just, you know, to add more about why we're doing rapid responses, it's partially, you know, the content represents the shortage of officials, the approach that we have, it, it represents decades of referee abuse. You know, it's like built into it. It's it's powering it. It's um, the politics and the rating system of officiating. Rapid responses, you know, we don't care about the politics part of it. So that, you know, negativity that's built into that part of officiating has inspired rapid responses and not caring about ratings and getting the game you want um, based off that coach's rating and the system. Um, so, you know, that's some of the inspiration behind it. I want to get into a couple of thoughts I've had recently just by, you know, talking to a lot of people in the community. Um, I think one thing we need to improve on is our awareness of coach interactions. I don't, I don't think overall we have a high level of awareness of what is actually happening on the sideline. For instance, I was watching a play last night block charge play. It was, it was a hard play. It was in a dual area. You know, the, the, the lead is running back on a fast break. The center is there as a double whistle. There's a little confusion because no one signaled at first. Then there was a late signal. So it was a hard play. It was a loud play, you know, and then you see from the video, you see the, both the coaches up and being demonstrative. So after I was speaking to this official, you know, we had talked about a a couple learning points from that play positioning play calling whistle cadence and then we got to the coaching part and you know he had he just really wasn't paying attention to to the coach at that point because i think officials are overwhelmed with the gameplay i think we're just sometimes overwhelmed with what's going on on the court and i know i've i've spoken to refs who say you know i didn't know what was going on on the bench because i was just so focused on the game and I just want to remind everybody that bench decorum and, you know, what the coach is doing on the sideline is part of the game. So I just feel like sometimes we get a little bit overwhelmed with what's going on on the court and we just ignore it. And sometimes we're ignoring it on purpose. We're ignoring it because we don't want to address it. And then sometimes we're just unaware of it. You know, I feel like, Maybe I have an advantage with this sometimes because of my 
and everybody can, can use what you do in your career to your advantage in other places. So I hope, hopefully you find that with officiating as well, but me being a 13 year phys ed teacher and coach, you know, I work with, um, pre-K up to fifth grade in the inner city for the last 13 years. So I feel like I have a, a good sense of awareness of what sportsmanlike conduct is. I have a high radar for altercations, for disagreements. I feel it. I hear it. It's just like, you know, I, I, see, I see a radar of it happening, almost like I'm in the Coast Guard. So I want you guys to improve your awareness and understanding. You know, think of it like this. We should, we should know the, the activity of what the coach has done so far during the game. We should know if, if he shouted across the court twice. We should know that your partner spoke to him earlier in the game when he was questioned to call. The interaction was fine. You should also know when the other, your other partner spoke to him and he was questioning the call, not asking a question, questioning the call. You should also remember the time, you know, he shouted travel while you were running up the court. All of these things are part of the awareness, are part of what helps us know how to manage the coach and then know how to approach them from a communication point of view. So just knowing the math of, of their activity. You know, I speak, I w I'll watch a game with an official or, or some official was explaining this story about a se the second half and they went into halftime and they were like, all right, we, you know, we can, we're going to come out in the second half and we got to warn the coach. You know, we've spoken to him, you know, three times already and we got to warn him in the second half. And really the math, back to we got to do better math, the math was at that point, no, you had spoken to the coach six times and it should have been a technical foul on the fourth one not we're going to come back in the second half and warn him. So uh, here's another thing. Um, warnings. We give too many warnings. One, one thing I wanted to improve this year, I wanted to give less warnings. I feel like historically I've given warnings to unsportsmanlike conduct. We shouldn't give a warning to unsportsmanlike conduct. We should give a warning to the activity or the behavior that falls below that threshold. That should be what we warn. If a coach or a player, you know, commits unsportsmanlike conduct, that should be a technical foul by rule. So we shouldn't, you know, I just want to be right. I want you guys to be right. Every play. Now that's not going to happen, but I want you to map your training and your preparation to just being right play by play. That could be on a block charge play. That could be not passing on a technical foul. So look, look at, you know, I think we miss a lot of technical fouls. I think we miss it. I think we give warnings to it. We don't address it. So that's what we're here tonight doing is, is trying to build that muscle up. Um, Here's another important topic. Uh, think of this game. The game comes first, your partners come second and you come third. So I know I've spoken to officials who, you know, have difficulty addressing unsportsmanlike conduct from a coach if their partner is not going to address it. Cause then we get, they get into the whole, Oh, I don't want to step on my partner's shoes. They're questioning, Oh, is my partner ignoring it? Did he not see it? Is he choosing to pass on that? You know, if you see something that's unsportsmanlike, even if it's in front of your partner, if you're 100%, like if he throws a clipboard, your partner passes on it, 
you come from across the court and come get it. You can't look at it and be like, the tra- oh, I got to trust the trail here. I guess he's passing on it. No, the whole gym just saw the coach throw the clipboard. So come get it. Put the game first before our partners. That's why we speak about traits like humility, right, and kindness. And, if, and you know, if you have these embedded into you, you're not going to worry about if a partner calls in your area or you're going you're gonna to thank them. You're going to thank them. I had a situation the other day where um, I thought it was actually pretty good partnering. The coach got ejected. Um, I gave the, the coach was being demonstrative to my partner. My partner had a, had a whistle. Coach immediately gives a demonstrative wave towards my partner as he's like finishing calling the foul. So he didn't have full awareness of what the coach did. Now, I didn't say to myself, you know, I guess he's passing on that. I said, I said, I had the awareness to know that, okay, he's not looking at the table. He wasn't really looking at the coach. I'm table side. It's happened right in front of me. I'm watching the whole thing. Well, it's a technical foul. Got to have our partners back. Next play, I call a foul for that same team. I go rotate across the court. The coach was shocked that I gave him a technical foul because I wasn't even part of that interaction. These coaches are going to be shocked because they're not used to that. They're used to saying whatever they want to your partner and us not doing anything because he said it to your partner. So now when we start doing the right thing about that, these coaches are shocked and that's okay. They, they're going to have to learn. But anyway, just to rewind, I call a foul, I go rotate. Now I'm table side. The coach is still hot about the technical foul I give. He's arguing with me about it, telling me that I can't call it. I wasn't even involved in the play, this and that. I gave him a stop sign. That's enough. He kept going. My partner from across the court came and called the technical foul. And he immediately walked towards the locker room, which shows he was trying to get it. But I just think we need to have a better um, sense of having our partners back when the game gets challenging, when the game gets grimy and dirty and uncomfortable. So I want you guys to have your partners back this year. Don't let, don't let your, don't let the coach shout at your partners across the court. If you're the table side official, you step up, you handle that interaction. And really there's three things we can do with the coach when we're going to, to communicate with the coach after maybe they've shouted or question calls, we're either going to give them a rapid response, right? To establish the communication guidelines or de-escalate them or let them know that we need to have two-way respectful communication. That's one. There's a warning or there's a technical foul. And the fourth one would be ignore, but let's say that's not applicable right now. There's, those are our three options. So we got to do one. We can't ignore all three. And I think sometimes, you know, just to rewind what I was saying about what's the coach's activity? What's the math? How many times has he interjected himself vocally or physically into the game? We just got to have a, uh, have a better sense of, of, you know, their voice in the game and not letting them become a voice. Best time to talk to a coach is after a timeout. So if the coach is shouted across the court twice, and you haven't had time to address it, the next timeout, once the coach is done coaching his players, get to him on the next timeout. Wait till his players have left the huddle, 
and then you go and you lead the conversation. Coach, I'm very approachable if you have a question, but it's not professional to shout across the court, and I want to make sure we establish that two-way respect. Is that fair? Can you work with me here? See how I've brought the coach back into my framework of respect. And that's where I want to play. That's where we get compliance. And that's what we're looking for. We're looking for compliance. We're looking for ways to use our words to get compliance. Compliance equals sportsmanlike conduct and the game is back in line. We want to get the game back in line as quick as we can without rushing. So those are some thoughts I just wrote down today of just some observations um, that I've had with uh, recent officials, but would love to hear some of your feedback maybe on the situation with the technical foul or um, dealing with, you know, partnering. Um, I also have a ton of responses that I can, that I'll share with you guys and you guys will get a PDF tonight and I'll try to, um, you know, load you up with the email of um, rapid response content, but I would love to just kind of go back and forth with you guys, maybe go one at a time. Here's some things that you've struggled with maybe this year or in years past, and just some things that are on your mind regarding this topic. So um, I'll start with Connor. Connor, what do you got? Uh, I don't know. I got, I mean, it's more of like a positive interaction I had with a coach. Sure. A while back, if that's cool to share. Share that. Yeah. I was, I'm just plugging in my computer. Keep going. Yep. I was a uh, table side trail, and there's a potential illegal screenplay that I passed on because I wasn't 100% sure. And the coach said, Connor, he stuck his hip out. That's an illegal screen. I said, Coach, I said, I wasn't 100% sure. I said, when we go back into halftime, I'll take a look at it and tell you what I got. And then I went back, looked at it on the film, and I came out and told him, I said, Coach, you're right. I missed it. And he he moved. He was he respected that, and we had some good communication after that. I appreciate you sharing that story. I think there's some positives within it. Um, I would, you know, maybe be careful of of guaranteeing that you're going to get to watch the film and then have. I'm always thinking like you're having a report on his desk before the halftime right. starts, you know, and and I don't. You know, I'm sure he thought of that as positive. Oh, this official went and, and, and looked at the film and then came back. Now, what if you got it right? Then what would you have said? Would you have interacted with them? I probably would have. I would have said, look, I looked at it and I didn't think it was foul, but you might be right. Yeah, I gotcha. I, I mean. I mean, it was more one of those things like it was a play I wanted to look at, too, because it looked really weird. And. So it's more coming from that point of wanting mm -hmm. to look at it anyway. Sure. And if you think he's a coach where he just probably enjoys that type of conversation, maybe in not a super um, intense environment, then I think that would be good. I don't want that to be your norm, though, okay. where every halftime you're going and looking at a play and then going and talk to the coach about it. Yeah, I mean, I think that's honestly the first time I've used that response. It just sort of felt natural in the mm -hmm. moment yeah. and it worked. But, no, I agree with you 100%. Well, it's all about doing what you think is natural in the moment. That's part of being a contextual communicator. So you guys got to have that instinct and that intuition to know what's going to work for you. So 
that's good. Thanks for sharing that. Yep. Tyler, let me bounce it back to you. Um, what do you think uh, overall the group maybe needs to improve on or, um, you know, thoughts from tonight's presentation? Um, you know, so far tonight, I think it's good. I think the, the stuff, like I said, this is when we initially talked, uh, we're trying to get the this group more involved with, with the Crown Refs and some of the products or, and uh, platforms that you guys are able to offer inside this Crown Refs uh, umbrella. And Rapid Responses has always been one of my favorite ones. It's uh, really helped with uh, some of the coaching communication and some of the quick ways that you can talk to a coach in a professional manner, but yet get your point across. And uh, some of the things that we started doing a few years back was uh, doing a a technical foul form for our group. And anytime that there's a technical foul issued, we have them fill out this form. It's pretty quick. And then it shoots it out to uh the assigners and trainers to be able to look at. And we like to share some of these uh, through our group. And, and I wouldn't mind just sharing some of those with you and, and seeing what are some of the ways that uh, you might have. Some of them are a little different. Others are exactly things that you've already gone over. Sure. Okay. This is uh this is one that was just entered in from Friday night that we got. It was the third quarter. Uh, official said called a blocking foul on the home team's player. Coach said the reporting oh, area. And before okay. I could report, uh, what's that? No, I'm saying the coach had called a blocking foul to the ref. No, the the official had called a uh, a blocking foul on the home team on a gotcha. one when he went to the reporting area. And before he could report, he was met by the coach complaining. He was there for six days before the offensive player got there. I stated that that's not how I saw it, coach. Just like the double dribble you called on my player in the first half. At that point, I acknowledged his complaint and asked him to please return to the team benching area and again attempted to report the foul. He said, no, I won't. Again, asked him to leave the table and return to his bench area. And he said, you are terrible and you've been terrible all night. I felt it was poor sportsmanship. He refused to return to the coaching box and got personal. So I administered a technical foul. That was one of the yeah, we, responses. I mean, we have to give a technical foul when they say you're terrible, you're horrible. I, I got nervous for a second because I thought he was going to pass on the technical foul. And because I, I know we have, I know, I know a ton of us have. Um, once he says get out of here too, or no, I'm not, you know, now he's getting in the way of the game administration, right? Here's one principle that we have at Crown Refs. Don't, don't talk to the coach until you've reported the foul. If the coach tries to interrupt your job responsibilities, let him know you'll be right back. You don't have to stop for him. This is where we need to be stronger. We just have to have, this is where I, I look at, could be thick skin. We gotta have thicker skin here to ignore the coach or let him know you'll be right back. I'll be right back. And you gotta run that interaction and then get to the table and make him wait. And if he keeps talking to you while you're doing that, again, back to the act, 
knowing the math. You're calculating that in your head. And then that's going to, you're going to convert that to your response. Hey, coach, uh, I'll be right over when, I, when I'm done reporting the foul. You report the foul, white 24. You go over, he's still barking. Whoa, 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 coach, do me a favor. I'm trying to report the foul and you're interrupting me. Okay, let me go handle my responsibility and then we could speak. Okay, I like the way you're speaking now. Lower your voice. Which play, we, which play are we talking about? Okay, tell me what you saw. What did you see? So that could just be one way, just plan it out as a way to de-escalate. But don't let the coaches interrupt your foul reporting. Get to them after and let them know you'll be there when you're done with your responsibilities. Because I've done that, and what do you think happened? I spoke to the coach before I reported the foul. What do you think happens next? You forgot the number of the player. Of course. <laughs> so we've already had a, like an uncomfortable situation, and now it's being prolonged because now I'm looking and searching for who the foul's on. So looking even more in depth. Um, that was good, Tyler. You have any more of those? Um, yeah, I'm just kind of going through my list here. So let's talk a little bit. I, I see one here. One thing that we uh, – talk to our group about is the differences between what attentional or an intentional foul would be considered and a technical foul and i think sometimes we get uh confused on which way to go so let's take your play that you posted the other day and this is a similar one here girl grabbed opposite player while she was trying for a layup and threw her to the ground with force um you know in this instance, when it's physical and there's uh, anything physical, we're going with an intentional foul. If it's verbiage and that type of stuff, it's a technical foul. What are your thoughts on that? I mean, I don't know. I don't have the play pulled up in, in front of me. So, um, no, you, you sound like you explained an intention, a live ball intentional foul. So I would recommend going to the back of the NFHS book and looking at the technical foul summary chart, which is going to give us all the proper rulings on what to do when we have, you know, um, someone curses you out with a punch, a live ball, um, excessive, you know, contact that's excessive or unnecessary. So I would just direct you to the to the back of the book there, um, unless we had the play to, to, to watch. Uh, but it sounds like an intentional foul. Um, let me uh, share some other rapid response content. Okay, these are some some mindset tips to help you with your approach. Before you even speak to the coach, this should be embedded in your mind as part of the playbook. So number one, we want to establish a professional relationship. You know, Try your best to not insert any personal language conversation. In this professional setting, right before the game, I just don't think it's a good allocation of time to start asking the coach about his season and how their former players are doing and, you know, that that type of stuff. So just, just be professional. They're going to respect you more. Keep it short. Keep it sweet. Good luck. Have a great game. Have fun. Pleasure seeing you. Great seeing you. 
have a great game. And that, and that's really it. Um, here's a, here's a hard one for a lot of us, because I think we enter the game with baggage from previous games. So don't judge the coach for previous behavior. Don't judge him for, pre, for poor behavior or good behavior. What that means is if he was been the most challenging, difficult coach and you've given him four technical fouls, when you enter the game, that next game, forget about it. It's irrelevant. Don't hold on to those emotions. It's only going to hurt you. It's only going to make it more complicated. And conversely, you had the greatest coach. This coach is a saint. He's he's part of our disclaimer of coaches that never gets a technical foul, that never says anything on sporting. Don't even mention that before the game because this may be the day. This may be the day. And if you go in thinking, oh, this coach is a saint, well, then he's going to do something and you're not going to be ready for it. So don't judge the coach for previous behavior. When you're communicating with a coach, whether you're given an explanation, whether you're, you're answering their question, don't convince them. Don't try to prove to them that your information is correct. Simply explain what you have in a professional and understandable way. Keep it short, and that's it. If they ask a follow-up, you can answer it. But after they've given you, after you've given them your explanation, you don't need to give them any more. If they're trying to turn it into a debate, you back away or, you know, say something that's going to de-escalate or diffuse. We don't want to get, get into, I cannot stand debating. I never debate. I don't want to go anywhere near any debate ever. It's just not fun for me. It's just not interesting. I don't want to have an opinion battle with you. My opinion is not any better than yours, so I'm not going to sit here and try to prove it to you. Just tell them what you got. Uh, number four speaks about fear. I think there's a lot of fear towards coaches. I think we're scared of coaches for the most part. I think most refs are kind of scared of coaches in some capacity. And I think that's natural. I think most people are, have a natural fear for getting yelled at. Who likes that? Who enjoys that? Um, th so there's a little bit of that there. Um, but don't treat the coach like he's your boss. He or she is your boss. We don't work for the coaches. A lot of... The interactions and the relationships I see with officials from across the country is you're treating the coach like you work for him, like you're on his payroll, like you're walking on eggshells around him, like you were late and had to punch in and, you know, you're tippy-toeing around the conversation. You serve the game. You're here. You work for the game. We all work for the game. And that's more important than any of the participants. Hey, Paul. Yes. Can I ask a question? Back on number Please. one, is there anything that you might say at the beginning of the game to establish that mutual respect? I know that you state some things in, during the game where you talk about, hey, let's have a respectful conversation. Is there anything that you might want to preface at the beginning? If you've had experience with that coach in the past, I know you don't want to come into the game with preconceived, but if you, can you establish that mutual respect by say, stating something, or would you prefer to wait until there's an interaction? So the logistics of how the pregame plays out is the only interaction I'm going to have with the coach in a high school setting, and at least in New York State, we meet with the coaches and we meet with the captains at about 10 minutes. So I'm going to speak to the coach, uh, the captains, and I'm sure you guys have heard the spiel. 
I'm going to speak to the captains and then I'm going to speak to the coaches and just let them know that we expect professional communication and we're open if they have a question, but, um, you know, we, we want to establish that respect. And then we go over to them right before the game. We shake their hand and we say, good luck. There's really no opportunity to establish any kind of personal rapport. They respect us more when we establish the professional rapport. You know, people think kissing up to a coach or asking them personal questions or, or I think that's a natural way to build rapport for human beings. I just don't think it works for referees and coaches because what I've seen is the, you know, I've tried to play that card where I'm, you know, trying to get, win the coach over on the personal side and then they just flip on you. Or they just spaz and it's over. And I'm like, why did I even try to build this rapport if they're just going to behave like this? So it was me doing that over and over and over again for me to even put that as number one, establish a professional relationship. is because I failed numerous times trying to establish a personal relationship. Yeah, it wasn't more the personal. It's it's, that statement that you made is, hey, we'll have respectful communication. Do you you make those statements or is it just – Yes. Review. Yeah. So I just I, wanted to make sure, just kind of examples of that to, for the sure, group. Just, sure. Yeah. In the pregame, when I meet with the coaches and captains, I get the uh, the, the captains. I say, guys, I'll, I'll keep this real short for you. We're just going to talk about sportsmanship. Okay. There's no trash talking. There's no taunting. There's no baiting. White talks to white. Blue talks to blue. And I'm pointing at them too. Um, if we talk to you, we're just trying to help you out. Besides, besides that, respect each other, respect us, and respect the game. Coaches, we're very approachable if you have a question about a play, and we have an opportunity to answer that. But we do expect professional and respectful communication tonight. Is that fair? That's perfect. Thanks. You're welcome. You know, I this is Gerald. I, hey, Gerald. I think one of the... One of the issues I think we have, and I've been doing this a long time, is, you know, our our state high school association allows blocking of officials. And and some of our larger schools, if they receive technical fouls by officials, I can guarantee you as serving as commissioner and all those things, uh, I know who's going to be on their letter next year to block. Uh, they, you know, it's almost restitution. I remember having a conversation with administrators because we have two high schools locally here that the behavior of the crowd and the coaches was getting out of hand. And we were trying to get administrators involved in doing their jobs, which is to control all those things. And I remember talking to one of the, the high school uh, athletic directors and he said, uh, I said, you know, if, if we do this, if we crack down on the tees, Next year, when you send your letters to me, blocking officials, those names better not be on there. And I remember the athletic administrator looked at me and said, well, you know, that's the only bargaining chip I have with my coach, you know, and it, it was it was disappointing for me to hear because it's almost like even the athletic directors, you know, that should be not tolerating behavior by coaches. To treat them with kid gloves too, and then I think that puts a fear into some of our officials. You know what? If I tee this guy, 
uh, he's going to block me next year. And and this is where the good games are. This is where the, the higher level teams come in. And I, I guess, as I'm thinking through here, I, I guess what it means is that if, if everybody gives them a T or she uh, for their behavior, I guess they run out of people to block. Uh, and maybe that takes care of it. But, you know, I think that's been one of our barriers here in, in, in doing that. And I, and I think it's perception that, you know, they think I'm a bad official. And uh, so I, that was just an overly, overly generalized comment to make. And I don't know if you have that same issue where you're at, but I, you know, I think that's something that we have to work out with our our state association, and that those blocks just need to go away. <laughs> yeah, and again, I think I think you nailed it on the head with the last thing you said. We just all need to be on the same page and call the game the same way and manage them the same way. And then you're right; they have no one else to block because then they now they lost, they lose control. They lose the power. And now, you know, you brought up topics that get into partial of the reasons why there's a shortage because of the politics, because of, you know, the, the assigner and the relationship with the coaches and the blocking and money, right? People are scared to lose money. I understand that. I'm just the wrong guy to give you advice on politics, on making sure you get a great rating and the ratings is predicated on non-officials. I'm like, I'm not the guy to train officials that way. I, I, I have like more integrity and I'm not, and I don't do it for the money either. And I understand in other places of the country, there's not a, maybe a, t a ton of games like there is in New York. Like if my mentality is okay, coach blocks me. Great. I won't drive the 37 minutes to that school anymore. There's 75 other schools I'll be working at. Now, in other areas, that might not be the case. Okay, you get blocked from this one school. Now you got to drive an hour and a half to the next school. So I understand that. But that's that gets into the financial component of it. And I don't we don't touch on that. You know, we. I, I, I can't um, have, you know, the financial component in inside of the instruction that we're given here. Yeah, and I and, and I was not more financial as it was, you know, that that label of somebody being blocked, you know, and, and I don't know if it was just, you know, I, uh, I know sometimes when you have one, some of those coaches that are a pain in the butt, I remember one time we had one that was kind of a pain in the butt and he made a comment to me and I, I just turned around and smiled at him. I said, coach, you're off your game today. I would expect better out of you. And he looked at me and I said, it was just kind of weak. Uh, that was kind of a weak statement to me. If you're going to, if you're going to take a shot at me, that was just kind of a weak statement. And, and he just, he started laughing, you know, that kind. And I don't know that that's the correct response, but it, it took, it took the, the tenseness and the stress out of it. And he was fine the rest of the game. So I don't know if, if you, if you ever use tools like that, but, you know, every once in a while, you know, just, just to cut it off, but also to say, hey, I acknowledge what you're saying and, you know, knock it off, but more in a positive way. And, and that's that was one that seemed to take care of it for him. So, yeah, that's good. I mean, you got to have that um, that insight to, to know if you could have a lighthearted moment there and that they always work at the right time. They can work if they do it at the right time. Um, I, you know, one of the one of the questions I have for you is 
you know, oftentimes it's not the head coach, it's, it's the bench, you know, and it's the assistant coach and, uh, and, you know, maybe some ideas on, on, on communications. I mean, really you tell the head coach to control their bench, you know, but, but just some communication skills or whatever you, you use there. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Assistant coaches cannot be giving us issues. We, we can't allow that because they have no leverage to be a voice on, you know, in the game towards the officials, right? They can't argue calls. They can't shout at us onto the court. So how do we handle that? Um, you, this past week I had a, a assistant, I heard him, you know, shouting travel. So I said, coach, you know, please one voice from your bench. I can't have your assistants refereeing from the sidelines. Right. So that's that's one way I don't ever speak directly to the assistant coach if they're an issue. So if the assistant shouts onto the court, I'm not going to go address the assistant directly. I'm going to always speak to the head coach and the assistant could be sitting right next to him. And I'm speaking through the head coach to the assistant, but it's going directly to the head coach first. Because. Assistants, you're going to wind up like getting in an argument with them. There's there's no reason even wasting their time, wasting our time. You know, not not to say we're arguing with the assistant, but here's some good times to talk to the assistant. When they come approach us after a timeout, and they they say, "Hey, you just had a block charge play. What did my guy do wrong?" I want to be able to go let the coach know. It's a great time to talk to the assistant. We're always going to entertain those conversations, but if they're a problem on the bench then we need to handle that immediately with either a bench warning, a rapid response, or a technical foul. Does that work, uh, Gerald? That, that's good. I just, yeah. I, because I think in our area that, you know, there is much of a problem and, and I think we tend to give them a little more leeway than we probably. They, they get mean, zero, but, but they, they get zero actually. Like we need to get that leeway percentage from, like a 75 down to like zero. Yeah. You know, I, like... I think, oh, I, I just, and I have to go call a game here in a minute. The other thing is we have a lot of coaches and I don't know how your situation is. They're real. When you talk rules knowledge with them, they have no rules knowledge. You know, they're barely, they're, they barely sometimes know what a, a basketball is. And, you know, when you, so when you're trying to talk rules with some people, it's a difficult conversation to have. And I, you know, but what do you, what, what would that sound like? What do you mean? You're trying to talk rules with them. We don't talk rules with them. We just give them a rule-based explanation. Okay. Right. So give me more insight with, yeah, like you're, like you're saying you get, you give them a rule explanation and they don't understand it and you're having trouble like. Well, it's just, I, I just think the knowledge of rules in at least with a, a majority of our coaches is poor. So sometimes, you know, it's like that nationwide problem. Yeah. It's okay. like that nationwide. Just know your local issues happen everywhere. I can attest yeah. to that. I mean, Quite you can imagine how many refs I speak to and it's the same story. It's the same story around me too. We all have those those local issues of politics and good old boy network and all that kind of stuff. So, okay, all right. Well, thank you. Sure. Um, one line I want you guys to put in your pregame: what we permit, we promote. 
So if we walk away saying this coach was, oh, this coach was crazy tonight, you know, man, we, we should have gave him a technical foul. You know, that's, that's our fault. We, what we permit, we promote. Oh, this coach was screaming from across the court. Okay. We didn't address it. And he kept doing it. We permitted it. So we promoted it. It takes um, some toughness to be able to be firm with this. But we promote sportsmanship. We promote respect. We promote professional communication. And um, if you see them doing unsportsmanlike actions or, you know, behavior, then it needs to be addressed with a warning, a rapid response, or a technical file. Uh, we spoke about the best time to approach a coach, respond to respectful questions. Yep, we talked about that in the disclaimer. Here's an in interesting concept for you guys. Know which comments to ignore. Know what, know what to address. You know, you hear, um, you hear in referee school, like, we don't respond to comments, only questions. I think that's a good strategy to use. I really do. But I don't think that's the entire strategy that we always use. Because obviously we're going to have to respond to comments. We're not a robot. And not everything is in question form. We can redirect them to make it a question. Coach, you have a question about a specific play? But it's important to know uh, what to ignore and what to address. That's a skill in its own. And I think we ignore too much. So I would lean on the addressing side. Address most of it. Um, just, a, just a simple tip, guys. When you're communicating with the coach, I like making strong eye contact and not looking away one time. If you're giving a coach an explanation, you stare right in their eyes. Looking away shows weakness. You might even want to step towards them. I like, I like slowly walking towards them as I'm looking them in the eye. I could just feel in an added, pres added presence there. Know the difference between asking a question versus questioning a call. So if a coach asks a legit question, we're going to respond to that, as mentioned in the disclaimer. If they question a call, well, that's going to provide a different response. If they're questioning you multiple times, basically what they're doing is they're just starting a conversation so they can disagree with you and share their opinion. And that's basically a comment. It's not a question. So just look out for that and don't be get caught by disguise, you know, answering times they're questioning us, not asking a question. Hey, when you uh, ask, yeah, Tyler, what do you got? Hey, Paul, what I was going to kind of add to this overall thing too is when we are responding to coaches, eliminate the the, the smart aleck or the I got you comment and just keep it professional rule based rather than trying to be the quick witted official that uh, and trying to one up a coach. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Stay humble. Oh, can I ask a question? Yes, please. Name's Mark. Um, hey, Mark. So last night, I don't know if you were a uh, NFL fan, but uh, there's a pretty controversial call at the end of the uh uh, Kansas City game last night when and one of the comments and I've heard this on the basketball court and I want to get your opinion on it is hey let the let them play let them play let the kids play and I actually had two people at work say should they 
have called that or just let it go and let the game go. And I'm like, no, I, if, if, the, if it's illegal, call it. I don't, I'm not a big fan of just letting them play. What, what's your response when a coach says, hey, just let us play. Let us play the game. If I could just get your thoughts on that. Please. Yeah, I mean, that's a, that's a comment that a, a whiny fan says, says let them play. And the same person that says let them play is the same person that whines, call the foul. So basically we're just speaking about, you know, comments that that fans make but coaches okay they make that they may make that comment coach we're going to let them play as long as we can until there's a legal contact and then we have to stop the game that's why i stopped the game there because i had a legal contact what did you see how's that mark i like that thank you paul does that help yeah totally just tell me what you saw, Coach. If I see sure. Yeah. And and just to follow up with that, I, I say something like, we dictate the terms of the dialogue. We create the framework of the conversation. When the coach says something like that to you, he's created a false framework. Let them play. Like, what do you have? That's, that's not a legit, like, comment. It's just not legit, right? And we don't want to get trapped into these conversations so you're not obligated to like entertain that you reframe it i love changing the subject i'm sorry i think we listen too much to coaches we 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 just let them vent too much we hear them out too much we let them whine and complain too much no i'm i'm all about you know letting a coach maybe vent in a low-key respectful way you know, there's definitely room in the game for that, but I just think we do it too much. And the excuse is, oh, they're passionate, they work hard, as if we don't, right? Yeah. Okay, thank you, Paul. Sure. Good question. Um, let me get to a couple more of these, and then we'll go around the room. Um, understanding the difference between offense and defense, when you respond to a coach, um, defense to me means we're dissolving we're de-escalating we're lowering them we're trying to calm them i hear you coach talk to me what do you got tell me what you saw so that's a calming defensive approach offense is when we need to hey i'm very approachable if you have a question but it's not professional to shout at me across the court what can we do to get you more um, to establish more of a two-way respect coach that's me just playing offense. That's me reframing the conversation, running the conversation. I think we need to run more conversations because then we have less of them. We have less of them. The more conversations we let the coach run, I think the more interactions it's going to produce. Um, you know, we're talking about ways to deescalate and um, get them compliant. Here's a curveball, compliment them when they're respectful. If I hear a coach who maybe has like raised his voice or shouted or ref a couple plays and then I get them in the huddle and they're speaking in a low tone, oh, coach, I really appreciate the way you're, you're speaking to me now. I really appreciate the, you know, the respectful tone. Thank you. Sometimes you catch them off guard and they totally forget what they even called you over for. The power of the compliment. So if they're doing a good job with us, let them know. Let them know we appreciate that. We appreciate respect. We're trying to promote it in the game. And our responses should close doors, should not reopen them. 
So whatever response we give to the coach, it should not be packed with things that they can click on and reopen. It should just be a closed door. That's it. We're moving on. So keep that in mind. That may help you with how you formulate that response to the coach. A couple other ones. Um, don't talk to the coach during the pregame or at halftime. I know Connor gave a pretty good example of when to do that. Um, I just, you know, mentioned that it just shouldn't be our norm. You know, on occasion, okay. If you feel like that coach would, would appreciate that, yeah. But not our normal playbook. So when you ask a question to a coach, it reapplies the, the pressure. Hey, ref, ref, how is that a foul? Oh, coach, um, I had the defender losing his verticality moving forward, creating the illegal contact. Did you see something different on the play? So I gave them a packed rule base explanation that totally explained everything that was saw. And then I raised it up a notch and said, you tell me what you saw further reshifting that that pressure i think not that the coach is going to be nervous so to speak but in terms of communicate you know i think of communication almost as like a boxing match sometimes it's like a sparring match what i just laid down i feel like gives us an advantage in that um asking a question so keep that in your pocket we mentioned dictating the terms of the dialogue. We create what the topics are going to be for the most part. Of course, we're going to entertain their topics, but just make sure they stay sportsmanlike. And when they get outside of the realm of something that is legit, and we don't have to play in that field. So be firm there. Don't explain your text to coaches. I had that this weekend. The coach just, just was begging me for an explanation. I didn't give it to him. I'm not giving it to him in the emotional state that he's in. He was never calm. Now, if he gets to me a quarter later and he's like, hey, Paul, I'm sorry, man, I lost it. Just, just tell me again what happened. Why, why did we, I get that? Sure, it's a different story. But if you're arguing with me seven plays after I call it, how is that a tech? How is that a tech? I'm not explaining that to you. And I only got that close because I had to I had to inbound the ball next to the coach and he brought it back up. But after I gave the coach a technical foul, we cannot speak to the coach. We cannot go up to him. My partner went up to the coach, just went walked right up to him and didn't even really say anything, just offered himself up to the coach. What does the coach do? Just continues to complain, talk negatively about me, too. So just get out of the way. Let them speak from across the court if they're going to speak, but don't give them an ear at that point. We don't need to explain technical fouls to adults. They have to have the awareness to know why they got it. If they need us to let them know, then that's an issue. They're going to have to find another source of that. And you got to be confident letting the coach know that. And again, the reason why this is listed as number 19 because I've tried to explain millions of texts, not millions, tens of 20s of 30s of texts. And the conversation never is good. It's argumentative. It's debate-like. It's They're defensive. You, you wind up trying to convince them. You're convincing them of something that's obvious. And they're making you feel like, you're crazy, so 
Don't explain your text. And number 20, be courteous, show class, have conviction, take charge out there, run the game, serve the game with professionalism, respect. Um, I have some some other responses here if you guys want me to go through those. I know we really didn't get to a ton of tactical responses, but just a couple examples of common things we hear from coaches that you can add to your game. How is that not a foul? Coach, I didn't see any illegal contact on the on the play. What exactly did you see? So, again, you're giving them a rule-based explanation. And when we mean by rule-based explanation, is we're hitting on those key terms. We're not reading the rule verbatim. We're hitting on the main parts, like illegal contact. The coach hears that. They know you're speaking the language. They know you're using proper terminology. So make sure we use proper terminology from the book. The foul count. We can't let the coaches question our, the foul count. They're basically questioning your fairness and integrity. They're basically insinuating in, that you're cheating. I know they're not saying that, nor will would they say that, but that's kind of the way it is. Don't, don't, don't mention what I just mentioned to you guys to the coach, though, because those are not effective ways to respond to that. Because if you say, coach, you're questioning my integrity, he's going to be, no, no, I wasn't. They don't understand that in the moment maybe so don't even go there so what i like to say coach we're aware of the time the score and the foul count that's the last time we're going to talk about the scoreboard did you have a specific play you wanted to discuss another thing another one yes we're aware and i wanted to also make you aware that it's unsporting to talk about the foul count coach i would never question your integrity so did you have a specific question for me so i mentioned the integrity line but then I immediately followed it up with a question. Um, so we have to address when they question the foul count because that's not sportsmanlike. And if they do it you know, more than once, it should be a technical foul by rule when they continuously question the foul count. My guy got hit. My guy got hit. Okay, coach, I had a good look at that play. And although there was some incidental contact, I didn't think anything was illegal. What'd you see from your angle? Throw it back in their court. Usually they don't have a great response. You might be right, coach, but I wasn't 100%, so I left it alone. So those are two ways to kind of approach that. You might be right, coach, but I wasn't 100, so I left it alone because I don't like to guess. That goes off very well. Coaches appreciate the fact that you're not, you don't want to guess and that you only blow the whistle if you're 100%. So those are good key terms to hit on as well. The defender's still moving. Well, we know that defender's allowed to move. It just, just depends the situation. If it's an airborne shooter or a dribbler, the rules are going to change a little bit. But, Coach, the defender can legally slide laterally, obliquely, and backwards and still take a charge. Did you have him moving forward there? No, I had him moving backwards. Yeah, as I just mentioned, Coach, that's a, a legal defense. That's He's maintaining his legal guarding position by backing up. And that's it. And there's nothing else to mention. They don't like it. They don't like it. If they want to ask, you know, if they make another comment, okay, then just go to your next position. Here's another topic. Don't let them use these terms. Crushed, destroyed, killed, mauled mugged those are not 
basketball terms. Those are street terms, street ball terms, right? So we can't have a conversation. Back to dictating the, dictating the terms of the dialogue. How am I supposed to respond to a coach that says, my guy just got killed? That's not a legit conversation, nor is it appropriate. So I always call them out on that. Coach, if we're going to have an effective dialogue, we need to use realistic terms. Saying your players are getting destroyed is not a fair way to communicate. Coach, can you work with me here? Come on. Come on. Seriously, coach? Coach, we can discuss plays, but only if you're going to be respectful and reasonable. You are not using reasonable terms. A couple other ones. How does your partner not see that? Coach, I don't want to explain. I don't want my partner explaining my call, so I'm going to try not to explain his call. You can ask him at the next dead ball or the next timeout. Uh, or you could say, Coach, I had the exact same thing. I trust my teammate there. And I'll just add a disclaimer. Don't be so quick to offer up your partner. Like, I think that's a lot of officials' first line of defense. Coach questions his partner call. And regardless, if they said it in a rude way or a kind way, they're just immediately, yeah, he'll be right over. He'll be right over, sir. No, you you handle that interaction. Take responsibility for the crew. Handle as much as you can before you have to go call your friend. Call a lifeline. Um, you got to help him out. He's struggling. So what do you say when the coaches speak negatively about your partners? talk about their assistance. How are you going to do that? Coach, with all due respect, I would never speak negatively about one of your assistants. Please have the same respect for our crew. So that response works 100% of the time. You know, when they question our partners, we go right to their assistance and you deliver that empathetic response and that's going to make them Say, oh, my God, yeah, you're, you're right. I, that would be crazy if the ref spoke about my assistance. What? But it puts them back in a, in a, you know, in a, in a good state of mind, in a compliant state of mind. So there, there's more to this. I'll email you guys uh, the PDFs, but um, I'd love to get to a few more questions or a few more comments. Leaf, um, any thoughts from you, things you're struggling with this year or, or – um, topics that you want to discuss i had a coach i worked with once upon a time and he's over at a different school now and he just came back coaching and he just has a more i guess like dominant demeanor he's a, also an educator so uh i called a foul on a loose ball where kids rolling around on top of each other and so i come over do the call and yeah, I give him the respect if he wants to talk to me. And then he just starts going and and I go, would you like me to explain? And he just kept going. So I just turned and walked away. What was he saying? How was he saying it? Uh, he was saying, how could you call that? My guy was getting, uh, one kid was on top of the other and all this. And I go, you have a second for me to explain? And he just continued on. And so this is one of those that he didn't want me to breathe this. He has to be right. So I just stepped aside and go, okay. 
Yeah, that sounds like, it, uh, you know, he's a challenging coach to deal with. But I feel like those interactions happen so much, right? Where at the end of the that, at the end of this result was you didn't get your point across, right? You didn't have an opportunity or you didn't take advantage of an opportunity or you didn't create an opportunity, right? Because he was cutting you off. What I find myself doing lately, last year or two with those type of coaches, I overpower them. I'm, you're going to interrupt me? Great, great. Interrupt me. Okay, I'm going to stay here. We're not putting the ball back in play. You're going to have to listen to my message. So however you want to de-escalate them from getting out, whatever they're saying, and then you got to speak. Or you got to cut them off and figure out a respectful way to interrupt. Coach, coach, whoa, whoa, whoa. Coach, John, John, give me a second to explain. Let me listen for a second. Like you got to get their attention and you got to be, you got to be firm with, with them. And it takes, it just takes a little bit of extra toughness to deal with these difficult, you know, coaches who have been there forever and are used to doing this. They're used Mm -hmm. to taking advantage of us and they're used to getting away with it. And what makes it a little bit more difficult is I used to work with them and and know him so then it tries to take it more of a i guess personal level uh, hey there's a connection between us or was so then they try to use that you know yeah back to the first thing i wrote down establish a per- professional relationship and this is a case yeah. in point how how well did your personal relationship go in that game and it, it meant nothing yeah they don't value it they don't have the awareness or the control to remember that in the moment Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up. Thanks. Yeah, sure. Brock, what's going on with you? Talk to me. Um, so I had a game a couple weeks ago, and so I just joined Crown Refs about a month ago, and so rapid response is one of the things that I really wanted to focus on, and um, I always you know, listen to the podcast and everything on the way to the game. So I was at a game where probably fourth quarter games getting a little chippy. Um, Team A had the ball coach for them, thought there might, may have been a foul and he calls a timeout right after he then didn't want to tell me if he wanted a 30 second or 60 second timeout. He wanted to tell me how that was a foul. So I just said, coach, I need to know what timeout you want. He tells me, goes to his huddle, and then I was just kind of sitting there like, all right, well, you know, they always say best time to go talk to him after a timeout. I'll just go try it. All I said was coach, and he was already apologizing for everything just because he was already deflated. That's that's nice to feel that apology happen before you even have to do anything. Yeah, I was already – I had it all in my head to, you know – go through the motions and everything with them and then mm-hmm. just good already had it well i'm glad you were getting ready to execute the playbook and and that's what we got to do you know get to them during timeouts if there's anything that's been said that you know they've shouted more than two or three times they shouted once if they've shouted once you know if they've thrown their arms up like one time in disgust what are we waiting for get to them that's yeah, another definitely. thing. Okay. 
that's definitely a thing I need to work on too is getting on the coaches, you know, first quarter. Like, coach, we're not going to have you officiating from the sideline because there's definitely times where by the fourth quarter, we've already let the coaches talk about every single call. And at that point, it's almost too late. You know, coaches take advantage too of um, younger officials because I think it's so, I think it's hard for experienced officials to manage challenging coaches. It's never that easy, right? But -hmm. just imagine young officials, first, second, third, fourth year refs, like they got, you you guys got like really no chance at dealing with some of these coaches. Cause again, back to being overwhelmed with the gameplay, you're still studying the rules the signals and it's like the coaches are just overwhelming and they're used to knowing that a young official who's coming in just does not have the capacity or the skills to penalize their behavior and they know yeah yeah when I started I mean last year was my first year and I never thought about you know coach communication like you always think about getting the plays right I mean, that was a huge wake up call is just how much the coaches not even questioning your call, just talking to you, trying to see, okay, how much does he know kind of questioning you in that way. Yeah. And, and we should not have like an open dialogue to talk all game. Like if you, if you find yourself answering and even if they're being respectful, you gotta, we gotta have the firmness to be like, all right, coach, you know, I've answered three of your questions. It's starting to become a distraction. Like we should not have this open dialogue where they're just talking to us. It's counterproductive for either party to talk to either one because that gets us outside of our true role in the game. The quicker we can all get back to our roles, the better we're going to be at it. And sometimes we have to influence or inspire the coach to get back to their role of coaching their players and focusing on their team and not the officials. Yeah. that's a response I use with the coaches sometimes is, hey, your team needs you. I know J.D. Collins mentioned that on, on, on our podcast a couple months back, but your players need you. Your team needs you right now. Mark. Hey, a, uh, Paul, can I jump in real fast? I got a quick question mm-hmm. in regards to kind of going off of what we were just talking about at I I feel like I had a missed opportunity uh, last weekend in a game where it was kind of the the bench. As I was coming down, the coach wanted contact underneath on a, on one of his players. You know, I was three three times he got hit down here, and I was in lead and I was going to be the new trail, and he said it to me there. And then as I was transitioning back from trail to three or to, to the new lead, he was, he was mentioning it to me again, three times. And I said, where? And he said, down here, he got hit three times. And I go, after he missed the layup, didn't use the backboard. And he goes, yeah, he got hit three, more, th- three times. And, and I said, I'm not going to, I'm not going to bail him out for, he didn't get hit. He didn't, I didn't see illegal contact and that was kind of the end of it. Well, then a couple plays later, the bench had said something, but when I was in the lead, I ended up going over and that's when I was going to mention to him about the bench. 
because the bench had said a couple of things prior to about the one voice coming from the bench and say something. But I ended up rotating over and I never got back to them and they never said anything again. At what point are you stopping the game or are you going over if you're away from table or you're away from the bench, are you during a dead ball purposely walking over there to go say something or like how long of a wait or a lapse of time before you just kind of let it go? I'm just trying to understand because I know it was a long interaction. You mentioned the coach said you missed three fouls and then you missed three another three fouls. So he said you missed six fouls. And then what happened? Then you rotated over. You didn't get a chance to. So I'm I'm just trying to. As I was uh, just coming down, I just asked him, where was the foul calls at? Or where, where, sorry, where were the missed calls? And he pointed down there at the one end. So his three times that he was talking about was all one interaction. I said, okay, was it after he missed the layup? And he said, well, yeah, he got the rebound and then he got hit two other times on the putbacks. He kept missing and he, and he kept, uh, and he, and he kept getting hit. And I said, I never saw any illegal contact. And so then it was like four plays later. That's when the bench, the bench said a few things. What a player, a coach. Yeah. They like the assistant coaches off to the side. And so I just kind of gave the stop sign to the bench as I was running down. Didn't say anything, just kind of gave the stop sign. Like we're done. I'm not listening to you. And they made one other comment, but I ended up rotating and got away from them. Like I was in the lead and I, and I had to go across there was a dead ball that happened like a minute later that was off the clock. And I was still away from the bench. I never got back over there. And at that point, the coach went back to coaching. The bench never said another thing. Like, are you going over there a minute later or two minutes later off the bench to say something to the coach? I probably or would. You... I mean, I, I mean, if it was something that I wanted to address then yes, it's not going to matter that an extra tick of a, a minute went, went by. Okay. But I, I, again, I like to, I would do it on the spot if the, if. Well, I didn't want to stop the game. Why not? Saying. But you don't like to give warnings. I gotcha. That could have been a way you stop the game and give a warning to the bench or a technical foul. You know, like, why Why don't we want to stop the game? If it requires us to, you know, a technical foul is a, is a dead ball, right? We're stopping the game. So I understand what you're trying to say. We're not going to go out of our way to stop the game, but we got to address things when they happen or as close to the time as possible. Also, I would remove um, bailing out. I just feel like that's fan talk. That's coach talk. That's player talk. That's not ref talk. Right. It's a slang word. We all know what it means as a fan of the game bailing out, but I don't see any validity validity in that. It's either we got the play right or we didn't. It's either correct call or incorrect call. I didn't bail anyone out. There's a legal contact or it's not. So try try to eliminate the terms that you hear non-officials using. Mark, what can I answer for you? Any uh, responses that 
you need help with or challenging? I think you're talking to me, Mark. I didn't see any other words. But I, one other thing I would add, Paul, and I'd like to get your when, – when a coach is saying, hey, he's killing him or he's murdering him, another one that bugs the crap out of me, he's doing it every single time. Like, no, he's not. Every play is different. But do you see that? Have you ever heard that as well as he's doing it every single time? And would you have put that in the same uh, grouping as uh, they're killing him, they're murdering him, they're killing us? Would you put that in the same category? Um, you know, similar. Uh, I want to double click back on. I think you said it drives me nuts. It annoys me or something like that. I want it. I don't want them to annoy you. I know what you're saying, but I don't well, want. Just, I don't want you to revert that to that mentally or emotionally. Yeah, I got you. Yeah. yeah. So that's number one. Before we even talk yeah. about the coach, I'm talking about you. Because <laughs> <laughs> I got your back. I'll take that. But right. I, I just think it's in the same yeah. category as, as, you know, he's murdering us. They're killing us. I'm like, oh, they're not doing it every single time. Yeah, again, that's – we can't ha- we can't entertain non-realistic conversations. So I would say, Coach, Coach, I- I'm happy to have a conversation with you, but we have to keep things realistic. You just said every time. You're using absolutes, and that's just not realistic, Coach. You got to work with me here. You can even, you know, get back to the sarcastic tone there. Or like, come on, come on, we can't, we can't have a conversation under those terms. So don't entertain those conversations, but reframe them back to where you want to be, where you want to speak with them. Very good. Yeah. Hey, thanks, Paul. Long thank time you. fans. Ah, thank you, man. Appreciate your support. Appreciate yes. Appreciate it. Thank I, you. I, I, first time caller, long time listener. <laughs> good seeing you, brother. Raheem, anything I can answer for you? Thanks for coming tonight. Roger? Uh, uh, you already answered my question. It was on assistant coaches, which you covered very well. <clears throat> the only other thing would be head coaches that like to constantly be two or, two or three feet out on the floor. How many warnings do you give them, especially if you about run one over? Um, I kind of have a general rule of thumb. Like, I think a lot of coaches go outside their coaching box. I I think it's safe to say that a lot of them, maybe some of them further than others. But for the most part, if a coach is not speaking to me and he is a little bit on the court, I'm never going to address that. Unless it's a safety issue. Unless I have to, you know, at, I'm running by and I don't want to step on his foot and turn my ankle. Then I'll say something. But for the most part, I don't address the coaching box issue unless they become an issue. Okay. So um, what I would do if, if you feel like you need to address it in a lighthearted way, in a non-serious way, because this is a, not a serious conversation, like we should be able to go have a somewhat lighthearted conversation. Hey, do me a favor. Hey, I know you're pat. I know you're working hard here on the sidelines. Do me a favor. Just stay within your coaching box for me for our own safety. I got you ref. I got you ref. So that would be my first uh, way of responding. It would not be to give a warning bench warning. Um, but if he's yelling at me outside the coaching box, that could be one quick way to give an easy warning, automatic warning, or a technical foul if he's yelling at you. 
Thank you. Yes, my pleasure. Brad, I'm, I'm back. I'm back, Paul. I'm sorry. This is Raheem. Hey, what's up, bro? How you doing? Good, good, good. Yeah, I have a question on. Yeah, thanks for all information thus far. It's, it's been pleasure. great. Uh, I was, I was, I was thinking, and uh, I was thinking about. Let's say, um, a coach calling you by your first name. I'm not sure if you covered this before or at all, but you know, you had the coach through the years or so, and you know, um, he he called you by your first name. Come on, Raheem. Come on, come on, Raheem. You know, out loud where everybody can hear. You know, in in the mix of a call. How do you? What would you say is the best? Uh, you know, um you know, action to, to deal with that or, you know. Sure. Yeah. Good question. Um, we, we coaches have to be able to call us by our first name, right? People should have the right to call us by our first name. The question is, how do they use it? Is he shouting, come on, Raheem? Cause that's a way different story than, Hey, Raheem, what'd you have on that last play? Mm -hmm. Right. So if you're going to, no, you're going to, you're not going to scream my name. Absolutely not. You're not going to scream ref, though. What are you? What are we going to let them scream? Right. All of it is we need to address if they're shouting, come on, ref. Like that needs to be a conversation we have with them. But, um, yeah, I would just play it that way. Like, sure, let them call you ref. Let them call you coach. Coaches can call me anything they want. I don't care what you call me. Just be respectful. I had a coach huh? call me Phil. He was calling me Phil. He kept calling me Phil. I'm like, hey. Uh, my dad's name is Phil. Uh, I'm Paul. He goes, oh, I'm so sorry. I said, no, it's fine. I, I love my dad. You call me Phil. Just don't yell at me. Okay. That's good. That's fair. That's fair enough. That's fair enough. Yeah. I mean, it, it's ultimately the name doesn't mean anything. It's how they're speaking to you. They could use any word, just how well, they're, how they're communicating it. Yeah. The reason, another, the reason why I said that is because sometimes let's say now you have a, a team a coach that you're that's not that you're not familiar with and he hears that you know oh he's calling by his first name and it just appears that some calls is going his way he's calling you by your first name you All know right, it, can, it can appear to be you know I, I wouldn't think about that okay okay yeah, that, that that's the coaches getting in our heads there that's part of the indirect fear of coaches like, oh, I don't want this coach to think I'm biased because coach of team A is calling me by my first name. Like, like that's not something we should be thinking about. Now, I, I'm not I'm not saying you're not, you're alone there. There's that's went through my head before. I, I get it, but we can't map our decisions to what the coaches are going to say or think. You know, you're yeah. not cheating, so you're not concerned with what the coach thinks. If if he thinks you're cheating because the other coach knows your first name, then he's got a lot of insecurities to deal with. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, don't worry about that. Don't don't let them weaponize that against you. They're, they have no leverage to, to say that to you in that in that spot. Yeah, yeah, I never addressed it, but I, it just it just crossed my mind occasionally when it happens. I'm like, God, oh, he's calling my name mm -hmm. like we don't, you know, but I never addressed it. But I it just it just pops up occasionally. I'm like, uh, I wonder, you know, but I never, I never say anything. So yeah, and conversely, you can call the coach, coach, or call them by their first name. Oh, yeah. Re Good regardless, point. if they just introduce themselves as Coach Jackson, okay. Hey, Hugh. <laughs> Good point. Got every right to. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. So, yeah, good topic. Carrie, how are we doing? Thanks for joining us. Anything I can answer for you? You're quick to unmute. You're ready. You're firing away. I'm a big fan, Paul. Thank you, bro. You know, the the nice thing is, uh, although I'm 56, I wrapped 20, 30 years ago and, and then had kids, and now I'm getting back into it. So, you know, I'm getting a little bit of a benefit of the doubt, even though I'm a rookie. They, they look at me and they don't think I'm a rookie. Yeah, yeah you know, and, mm-hmm. and uh, but you, you mentioned a good point earlier is so far. And I have, again, I'm only, you know, two months into it or something. I really noticed the coaches, which means one of two things. One is I've gotten lucky so far with the coaches or two. I'm so ingrained with focusing on the game right now that 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 I haven't paid attention. And you did talk about, Paul. Be aware of the coaches because that that's part of the game and, and that's something i'm not really doing although when they do ask me a question i kindly answer them and uh, you know in a rules-based thing so you know i'm just absorbing everything i can every training session every video you've got including you know every uh, i love watching your videos and the mechanics is, is where i'm weak but uh i know that's not the topic tonight um so no a long answer to, to no i don't have anything i'm just new and and uh right now I'm so focused on the game that I'm not focused on the coaches yet. And I know that that's, that will come within time. Well, thank you for your support. Uh, it means a lot to me. And, and yeah, you're right. Like I said, where we mentioned earlier, it, it takes a lot of time to build up to that awareness. Like, Oh yeah, you're right. I, I got to pay attention to the coach. And, and I just feel like overall as a officiating community, we have to have more um, awareness of what they're doing. You know, there's, I feel like there's so many times throughout a game where, you know, I'll be with my, my crew and like, Hey, did you hear what the coach said after that, you know, no call? No, I had no idea. And I'm just like, he just, he screamed it. Like, why do, how do you not see that? How do you not hear that? Well, well okay. Well, we're just... one, I'm sorry. Sure. No. If I can ask you is newbie. So, so he had worked with the veteran, uh, ref and, and, uh, um, you know, really focus on covering your primary care area and, and yeah, you know, hey, focus on that, focus on that, focus on that. <clears throat> she made a call. I don't remember what the call was. It, it doesn't really matter. And the other, the, the coach down, I was trail, she was lead, came running out on the court to, to yell at her. And and I thought, well, do I slap a technical because that's in her primary area. She's, she, she drilled in my head, hey, you stay in your area, I stay in my area. And then she confronted it like, hey, get off the court, courts, yeah, you know, but, uh, you know, normally if I'm more comfortable, I, I think I would naturally slap a technical when he objected to a call so violently, yeah, not violently, but, but you know, strongly came onto the court, but she kind of had ingrained as a, as a newbie, stay in your area, don't call anything in my area. And, and I kind of extended to that. So that that's, a, that's the only thing I really can tr- contribute to here is, you know, as a newbie, I was staying in my area and I was like, all right, you can deal with the coach. So, yeah, that's um, like another old school, you know, training that we hear is don't don't come into my pond. That That's the ego, you know, in, in officiating. I think that's been passed down now. Granted, yes, we want to own our primary. We don't want to come into someone's primary if they have an open look and we're stacked and we're not in a good position. Tons of different factors. But ultimately, we got to put the game first. And there's plenty of times throughout uh, a course of a game where the closest official doesn't have the best look. 
right? So when we put the game first in your scenario, you're the table side official, your partner has a whistle or, and the coach disagrees, comes violently, as you mentioned, onto the court, you having that command and that crew awareness and having your partner's back, regardless what the lead told you in the pregame, you just identify this as a technical foul, technical foul, just another call. Yeah, it bothered me that I didn't, but so, but yeah, it will, it will, I'll, I'll get it over time. Sure. Yeah. I've so, spent many you. nights, you know, being bothered, being uh, frustrated with how the game has treated me. So thank you. Yep. Anybody got anything else, Brad, anything on your end? No, I think most of the Nevada guys already asked my question, so I'm good for tonight. Cool. Travis, you good? Okay. Tyler, you good? Yeah, I'm I'm good, and I really appreciate your time. I know it might have been kind of a refresher from some of your other classes, but I uh, really appreciate you coming on and, and spelling that out, going through your tips and tricks there uh, with our group here, and glad to see some of the mentor uh, family able to join in on that as well. So really appreciate everybody's time. Yes, sir. Thank you for facilitating it. And like I said, shout out to everybody from uh, Nevada and everybody else who came. Um, if you're not part of Crown Refs and you want to set up a call, be happy to set up a one-to-one -one call with you. Just shoot me an email. And um, thanks for everybody who came. And I'll post this on Patreon in a few days. Uh, hope this was helpful. And have a great season, guys. E email me or text me if you have any questions. Thanks, Thanks Paul. Paul. Thank Thanks. Thank you for listening to the Crown Refs podcast. Serve the game. All right, Johnny Gleach, reaching out. Uh, we're going knee tuck. Comfortable feel. You know, easy to put on in the locker room before a game. I'll put them, hang my shirt up, put them on the shirt. Once you pop your shirt on, after you're done with stretching, you're warming up. You know, they clip real quick. You can have a little slide, slide band to tighten them up and down. I like to go tight. Just like a sneaker, when you place your shoes up, you like it tight. It's going to loosen up after the game goes as you run, as your muscles flex. And they never ride up. Some, you know, I, I've had good success with these, keeping my shirt in. Uh, when you're at the free throw line, uh, watching the game, you don't want to be messing with your shirt, messing, messing with your shirt, messing with your pants. Uh, knee tucks are, you know, the way that, that helps us to not do that.